We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. It's so have you. Yeah. It's time to put in the work. Yeah. Every man go dominate. Boys, Offense, defense, special team. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo here on our midweek edition of Rams Talk. Our podcast tonight has a couple big things going on for us, including an interview with new Los Angeles Rams running back Matt Colburn, as well as everything having to do with his life, including, that's right, some musical talent. Also, our tour running league continues with Michael Hopkins from Take on the Titans. He'll give us a look at the Tennessee Titans, and also finally, we'll break down the news, which is really the Dominican Sioux. That's pretty much it right now. And his new destination being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So before we even get in the road, 
and talk some serious football tonight. We do want to let you know that we are sponsored by Jim Hawk and his book, Hollywood's Team. We also remind you that we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. You can find our podcast listed also with Clutch Points. They feature an awesome app that puts loads of NBA and NFL information at your fingertips. Check them out at ClutchPoints.com or download the app. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave five-star reviews on iTunes. It really helps us out. Don't forget our other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads, etc., etc., etc. Maybe, just maybe, we'll even hear from Norm Hightower and see when he does his begins his new uh, film-centered show, hopefully soon, because we would like to hear from him. You hear that, Norm? If you're listening, come back, Norm. Come back. Okay, anyways, um, also, with our iTunes reviews, we have a contest underway. In this contest, once we get to 200 five-star reviews, one lucky winner will receive a $75 gift ticket to the NFLshot.com, and this is how it works. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review, and then send us an email at ramstop1945 with a copy of your entry so we know who to send the gift card to. And we'll also read your feedback on the show. One winner. One winner, guys. So let's make it happen. Five-star reviews. We Actually, more importantly, if you like our show and you have been listening for a while and you know somebody else who loves the Rams and maybe just maybe would like to give our podcast a try, please let them know about us. Just just one friend. We're, just, we're doing the best we can to reach as many people as we can uh, to help keep us on the air. So that's the one audience call out I really want to ask you to do tonight is, hey, share the show. We really appreciate it. All right. First up, Matt Colburn, the Wake Forest running back who made his way to the Rams through undrafted free agency. Very interesting interview. A lot of fun. One of the most fun interviews we've done in a long time. Check it out. Here's Matt Colburn, the new Rams running back. All right, folks. I'm here with Matt Colburn, the now former running back from Wake Forest, because now he is a Los Angeles Ram. Matt, welcome to the show. You're getting ready to go out to L.A., aren't you? Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, yes, sir, I fly out tomorrow um, around 7 a.m., and I uh, should land uh, sometime in the afternoon. Now, do you know like the whole schedule for tomorrow and everything and how it's going to work out? Um, I believe when I land, I'll be greeted by some people who will take me to uh, some, I think, a facility, and I, I believe we'll be doing a bunch of physicals and EKGs, different different testing like that, you know, just to mm-hmm. make sure everything's good to go uh, from a physique standpoint in, in order for me to participate and stuff like that. And um, I think after that, there might be some orientation things in terms of rookie um, orientation. And then uh, I think they show us our hotel. Um I just I, I I know we're gonna be busy all day tomorrow with you know different stuff like that. Busy all week, I'm sure, man. You're gonna, you're yeah, gonna, easily. <laughs> so I mean, have they even let you know like about the food out there and everything? Because it's they got some some serious food. I I've heard about the food. Um, however, I do not know anything about. Really, I don't really know anything about L.A. other than it's probably polar opposite from what I'm used to. <laughs> uh, but I'm excited, man. I'm just like I said, I'm excited to get out there. 
uh, try to just put my nose down and and grind, man. Um, you know, I, mean, I, I don't think I could have landed in a better spot. I'm just so I'm so thankful for everything. I'm so grateful for everything. I mean, he doesn't even, to be honest with you, doesn't even seem real. Doesn't even seem real. I don't know, sunk in yet. Probably won't. So, you know, maybe there this week. Um, but yeah, I mean, this all just feels like a dream. But you know, I, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm excited and I, I can't wait to to get to work. I can imagine it probably wouldn't feel real until you actually, you know, wore the horns for the first time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once you put that helmet on, those horns are a big part of NFL history. So to actually wear those for the first time, I think that's going to be special. Um, right. I do want to ask you, what did it mean to you for the Rams to reach out about signing with them? Man, this meant the world. Um, you know, just I mean, every every kid, you know, every guy who got a chance, draft kid, early draft or free agency, you know. It, uh, that's our dream, man. That's that's what we do this for. That's what we live for. And um, I mean, even in weeks uh, in weeks prior to the draft, you know, just getting calls from different coaches and all that stuff. That was just that was just uh, crazy to me. Um, and to talk to Coach Pete uh, a few days before the draft, that was just awesome. That was really special. Um, and uh, you know, for them to Pull the trigger on me in free agency um, was just, I mean, it, it, it's really hard to put words to it. Um, but I just, I know what the organization is about. Um, you know, I know, I know how serious they take football. I mean, uh, you know, Coach McVay, you know, he's, he's got to be the youngest genius in the game right now. Um and it's just a lot of promise all around. And, um, you know, coming off a Super Bowl loss, uh, obviously tough, but, you know, like I said, there's so much promise and so many young guys um, there. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just ready to just, like I said, stick my nose down and go to work. And, you know, I, I think that uh, this this could be a really good thing. I think it's going to be a really good thing. And um, like I said, it's, it's kind of hard to really put words to it without just rambling. But, um, <laughs> no, it sounds, it, sounds like, <laughs> what it sounds like to me is a person who is still overwhelmed just by the fact that you're there. And the right. overwhelming to me is not a bad thing. It's that, you know, this is a lifelong dream and tomorrow's your flight and you're going to be heading out there and you're going to see all these things and you're going to try, you're going to, try and live that dream through. That's what it sounds like to me. Right. But I, you know, maybe I can loosen things up a little bit and ask you this, okay? I have to. I, I it's been on my mind since I started doing research for this interview. Okay. How how did it feel to run for over two hundred yards against Louisville? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, it's not the first time I've uh, got that question. But uh, no, I mean that was just awesome. I mean, you know, two hundred yards in the game is is crazy, you know. And uh, I guess just because of the circumstance, just where we were at in the season, we needed to win that game in order to pretty much save our season and not have a losing record and then try to make a bowl game. Um, that was awesome. And just, it was just a culmination of, it was a culmination of a bunch of things. Um, but that probably was, you know, a top two highlight of my career, you know, just looking back and, um, 
it was it was just that in itself it's hard to put words to it as well. Um because, you know, I look back at it and like wow and that actually happened. Um some of that hadn't happened since high school for me. Um and it was just it was just really awesome and it wasn't just my performance. It's not like, you know, I did anything uh uber spectacular, you know, it was a culmination of you know, guys like Greg Dortz, uh, uh, Sam Hartman, um, you know, on the defense making stops. I mean, we, we were just firing on all cylinders, and, you know, that just kind of elevated my game as well. And, um, you know, you just uh, – I mean, that's why, you, that's why you practice. That's why you, you bust your tail in the weight room. You bust your tail in the film room. You know, that's why you do all these things. Um that are required and not only required, but you do that and more just give yourself a chance, you know, give yourself a chance to have performances like that. But that, you know, just to give, to fill in some blanks, there is a little bit of history also with Louisville as well. Right. And so, you know, there's, yeah, yeah. You know, so that I'm sure there's also the personal side, but there is some history there. Uh-huh. I'm sure it felt great. Mm-hmm. But let, let's back up a little bit more. Okay. How did you get started okay. in the game of football? Yeah. yeah so, I started playing football when I was organized football when I was five years old, flag football, you know, and my dad would take me and my brother. I have a, I have a brother who's 20 um, and he's my best friend. And we, I mean, we played football since we were pretty much walking. My dad would take us out in the backyard and just toss us the ball. And then he'd take us, when we were a little older, take us to recreation park. Uh, and we'd just go to the field and do one-on-ones for like hours I'm just, just playing, just, you know, just working on just, just whatever. I mean, we were catching and running and duking, just, just fell in love with it. And, uh, organized football started for me at five, and then I did tackle football at nine, and then that translated into, you know, middle school, later on in high school, college, you know, now I'm here. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely my dad who, who uh, he was definitely the catalyst for, um, for me becoming a football player, I guess. How did you wind up at Wake Forest? Yeah, so the whole story, uh, that's the whole story with Louisville. So, yeah, I was committed to Louisville um, for about eight months. I committed the summer, June before my uh, senior year, and uh, went up to camp. They, they told me to come up to camp, to be well. I went off you, so I killed it. Uh, Petrino offered me on the spot. I committed a few days later. Um pretty much to secure my spot because I knew how stuff went down with guys waiting to the last day. You know, I didn't want to get into all that uh, publicity and let, like, the social media get to me and all that, you know, get my hair because a lot of guys do that and come last minute, they don't have anything. So I did that, and long story short, you know, they called me 48 hours before signing day, and, you know, they told me they had some DBs come up for the last official visit weekend. And they committed, and that they were going to give pretty much my scholarship to them. Told me I could gray shirt. I said that's yes. So I just, you know, decommitted. Um, Wake hit me up through Twitter the following night. Um, I think that was like that was probably a Tuesday or so. I think I visited. I think I visited Saturday, and I committed Sunday. Um, and that's how, yeah, that's how I ended up at Wake. And it's kind of funny because I hadn't, I didn't know anything. Like I didn't know a lick about Wake Forest. 
kind of know a little about Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, it's just funny how, you know, it's funny how God kind of worked all that out, honestly. So, you're at Wake Forest. You have a, a really nice career there. Mm-hmm. Um, had a couple injuries there at the end. and mm-hmm. But overall, it was a nice career there. And it, it's, a, it's a good school. How did Wake Forest mm-hmm. prepare you both for life and then also to, to make the jump to the National Football League? Yeah, you know, Wake, Wake to me was, you know, it, you know, you always, it's such a cliche. You hear people say, uh, this is the best four years of my life. Um, you know, in all honesty, I mean, this really um, did more for me than anything ever. And, you know, it really helped me transition from, you know, a kid to, a, to an adult, a boy to a man. Um, just my maturation over the years. Uh, it was totally different from, you know, the 17-year-old kid that walked on campus four years ago. Um, yeah, I met some great people, great people that just kind of influenced me and and, um, and just allowed me to uh, become a better person all around. And um, Wake just really taught me patience over anything. I mean, my time there, uh, it was... On the field, it was it was tough at first. You know, I wasn't starting, I wasn't getting the carries that I wanted, and I was so big on you know trying to be a feature back and you know trying to have all these stats and that blah blah. And um, you know, I just kind of realized in the end that you know it's not all about that because you know like Wake, you know, our offense is completely different from a lot of other places that have those feature backs. You know, I mean, we we're like top three in the nation for plays per game mm-hmm. and plays per minute, so. You know, I mean, more plays you run, and it's, it's simple math. The more plays you run, theoretically, and the higher higher probability you you could have of getting an injury or getting banged up, or you know, all that stuff takes toll. And um, so, yeah, it just it really taught me patience, and it really taught me um, just how to trust the process. You know, there's a there's a process within everything. Uh, that you do, and um, you know, for me, it was just I had to put the work in. I had to stay down. I had to keep my nose down. Just put the work in and trust that it was all going to pan out. Um, and you know, it there are some days are better than others, but overall, Wake just taught me how to be become a more patient individual um, off the field and especially on the field in terms of whether it be in terms of running. Whether it turns of um, whether it turns of you know, allowing the play to develop, um, there's different things like that. I mean, it just taught me to become a more patient football player and a more patient person. So you just said the key words are trust the process. That's one of the LA Rams mantras. So you're already okay. You're already there, man. You'll, yeah, you're going to hear it when you get there. We, not me. Trust the process. Okay. Something. <laughs> right. It is it is right. LA Rams thing. So you're already there, right. and you already get the feeling of what it means to be part of the process there in, in, in Ramsland. Now, when you get there and you begin working to try and make this 53-man roster, what mm-hmm. what is the main thing you, you want to establish for yourself there? Man, I just – my thing is I'm, I'm going to glean as much information as possible, uh, you know, I'm going to be like a sponge, you know. Like I'm going in there and be like a sponge and soak everything up from, you know, 
whether it be players, coaches, anybody affiliated with the organization. I'm just going to learn as much as possible from the United you know, who, who am I right now, you know? Um, I'm just going to do everything in my power to learn, to be a student of the game, always be a student of the game. Um, and with that being said, you know, I'm going to do my best to apply that knowledge on the field and, you know, really just do everything I can to to help the team, to help the organization, you know, whether that be special teams that I'm, I'm so sold on, you know, just doing everything um, that's that's required, you know, and everything above what's necessary. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, if there's anything that anybody should know about me coming in, it's, you know, I'm going to be like a sponge and I'm going to be super coachable and just super eager to to do anything, everything I can to get on the field, whether that's special teams or whatever. I'm going to do it all. So what are your strengths and weaknesses as a football player? Yeah, so I would say that um, I would say my strengths now would be my patience, definitely. Uh, I, that probably... Honestly, it was a weakness a few years ago. That's something that I definitely turned into a strength. Um, I'd say I'm, I'd say I'm pretty powerful, deceptively powerful. You know, and being five eight, you might not. You know, some guys might not think that I can run through them, but I mean, I, you know, if I have to run through you, I run through you. <laughs> if I have to make a move, I make a move. You know, I'm I'm, I'm really confident with my feet, uh, my agility. You know, my ability to change direction. Um, very confident in that. Um, and uh, my speed, I trust my speed. Trust my speed getting to the outside. I trust my speed, you know, going downfield. Um, I just, I trust my body of work. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm confident in my abilities. Um, and I, I plan to show that, obviously, uh, when I get there. But, um, yeah, I, I, I I guess honestly, all around, just a player who's confident and who's uh, who's smart, who's savvy. You know, he he knows what's going on. And like I said, I just I can't wait to to just to just start to just get out there to learn as much as possible, and then just use that knowledge with you know the way I play the game, and just kind of use that together to to just perform to the best of my ability. All right, so here we go. We're at, we're at what we call the final five. That's what we always do with folks who are joining the team. He's going to know you a little bit. So five final questions, and they're a quick bam, 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 just to kind of lighten things up a little bit. You ready? Okay. All right, here you go. What's your favorite movie and why? Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. I mean, do I really need to explain why? Like, well, there are a lot of folks who don't movie. like the prequels. It's probably the best movie ever made. It, it completes the uh, the tragedy of the of the saga. The tragedy is fulfilled in the Star Wars saga and that movie, and it's it's just awesome. Like my best friend, Nate uh, Gillum, um, who uh, he plays the offensive line for us, Ellie for us. We 
we probably quote that thing scene from that movie like we probably quote that like five times a day. <laughs> so you I love Star Wars. So you're totally cool in how dark the movie is and and of course the the, the duel. The duel. Yes. I'm obsessed with the Obi-Wan versus Anakin duel at the end. Epic. Okay. So I, I'm not sure how the fans are gonna respond to that one, but <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> what was your favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Uh Lord of Mercy. Um, I would probably have to say uh I'm trying to think of the last sports movie I saw. Because I'm not, I'm not super big in the movies other than Star Wars. Just say anymore. Waterboy. Just say Water. Because nobody's ever said the Waterboy. I would just be throwing somebody came on my side for the Waterboy. Water <laughs> you know, it's funny. I haven't seen Waterboy like really in totality. I've only seen bits and pieces of it. Yeah, Let's I would probably say Friday Night Lights or oh no 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 um. Oh my gosh, I just had it. Oh my gosh, I just had it. It's a movie, uh, it's about football, and screw it. I'm just going to say Mr. Carter. Mr. Coach Carter, okay. Yeah, Coach, Coach Carter. Carter. He's the that shows you how much I watch movies. Well, you know, hey, you're a Star Wars guy, though. You're, you know, you're a different kind of guy. I know, I'm a big, big, big into sci-fi. <laughs> oh, so do you watch, like, um, the TV series that's out? It was, out, it was on sci-fi. It's now on Amazon. Oh, jeez. Uh-huh. The, the, um... Oh, I'm losing it. I read the books, too. Jeez. It's not Star Wars related, is it? No, no, it's a sci-fi. It was a really good sci-fi series. And I uh-huh. don't remember the name on top of my head. I, I, I had it here. Oh, I can see the, the book cover to it in my vision. But if, you, if you're not catching it, then, you're not, then you didn't see it either, I'm sure. But, well, it's, this is um, one of the characters. The character, well, I can tell you that it was Thomas Jane played in that series mm-hmm. in season one. He died. I guess gave a spoiler away. Oops. Um, Jeez. <laughs> the Expanse. There we go. The Expanse. Oh, The Expanse. No. Yeah, I... yeah. When you get a chance in some of your downtime, yeah, to check, check out, out The Expanse. Yeah. Okay. It's on okay. Amazon now. All right. How about this? Favorite yeah. food? Chicken. Chicken. Just straight chicken. Chicken, anything chicken, yeah, anything chicken, chicken. All right, favorite hobby? Sing, sing, make music. You say same music? Sing and make music, I make oh, music. Oh, so you sing. Yeah, I record, I sing, I'm a, I'm a singer, yes. So if I asked you right now just to pop out a tune, you can do it for us? Easy. <laughs> oh, 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 really? Really, really? Okay. Yeah. Would you be willing I'm, I'm to give pretty, us... I'm pretty... I'll be more than willing. I'm pretty versatile. <laughs> All right. Can you give us 20 seconds of your favorite song to sing? Favorite song to sing? Eagles. Uh, yeah. Um, You're going to do it. Song. Yeah, I'm going to do it. Easy. I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> make this song. Uh, I'll go... I'll go... Uh, not really old school, but this is one of my favorite songs when I was in, I guess it's elementary school. Uh, Cold by Crossfade. You know that song? Go for it. We're ready. All right. Here we go. What I really meant to say is I'm sorry for the way I am. 
I'm never meant to be so cold. Never meant to be so cold. What I really meant to say is I'm sorry for the way I am. Never meant to be so cold. Never meant to be so cold to you. I'm sorry about all the lies. Maybe in a different light. You can see me standing my own end. Now I can see you are the end to go. So you are the first person to come onto our podcast and sing a song. And it sounded pretty good. Props, man. <laughs> Serious props. <laughs> Appreciate it. You put you on the spot, and you pulled through. <laughs> Thanks, man. That was awesome. Yeah. I got. I want to ask for feedback on that from the listeners. Okay, one yeah, last question. <laughs> one last question for you. Ready? Yeah. This is my toughest question, though. It's always my toughest question. Okay. Okay, here we go. Here we go. If you could play for one coach, any coach, in NFL history, current or past, uh, who would it be and why? Any coach? Any coach. Um, well, any coach. I'd probably say Jim Trestle. Wow, why? Because um, I, I grew up a big Ohio State fan. My, dad, my dad's from Ohio. That's the from Ohio. It's a big Ohio State fan growing up. And I just admired Jim Trestle. Uh, I thought he was really cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Jim Trestle. <laughs> Dude, a small world. I went to high school with his kids. I, no kidding. I, I'm, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. I'm actually uh, I'm yeah. recording from Youngstown. I'm a transplanted Rams guy. So I'm recording oh, right no now from Youngstown, Ohio. Jim Trussell okay. is the president here at Youngstown State University. I went to high school yeah. with his kids, and I graduated no, from Ohio State University. No kidding. Yeah, my, uh, that's crazy. What a small world. And my dad, he's from Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandma, who actually just came down for Mother's Day, she is from Finley. Uh, so, like, and then I spent, I've actually spent every summer since I was young. So probably I was about, like, 12, 11 or 12, so, like, every summer. Family with uh, my grandparents, and I got family that live in Columbus. Uh, yep, you know my family that lives in where else in Ohio? Just all over, really. Like Toledo, still. Yeah, just all over. So that sounds that's, like that's this year recruited that's, you. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> I went to I went to Ohio State camp. My going into my junior year. When I was 170 pounds, mm-hmm. uh, and I and I was a running back at 170 pounds, so I think that might have kind of, um, they they probably thought that was a little bit unattractive. I don't know, but I did I did run a four four at 170 pounds, like a four four one or something like that. So I thought that that was gonna be enough for them to you know, but obviously with me only being five eight. Uh, they probably had their eyes on, um, you know, the more prototypical type, like, and then Vito Elliott. <laughs> yeah, well, so, you know what's weird about that is up until about 10, 15 years ago, if you were uh-huh. over six foot as a running back on the NFL, no one wanted to look at you. They all wanted, they all wanted people who are 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, yeah. 
It's how the game has changed. Yeah. It's weird. It's I crazy. Mean, it's really crazy. When you're five eight, it's really mm. hard to really because your your body's so centered. It's hard to get right. you down. And so it surprises me there would not be more demand even now for a five eight five nine back with with power, because who wanted to take Emmett Smith down? Right. I mean, nobody wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know the thing, and the thing about being a shorter guy, you know, it's you know, and obviously in NFL, like linemen are huge, a lot bigger than college. And all I did, I made a living in college off of, you know, just being patient behind my linemen and, and hiding behind my linemen. Yeah. Like, I would I would hide behind my linemen, and I would, a lot of guys would tell me, like, Matt, like, dude, we couldn't even see you. Like, we were just waiting for you, and all of a sudden, you're running around the edge, and we're, like, in the wrong gap, blah, blah. And so, yeah, I'd definitely say that being shorter definitely has its perks. It does. It does. Don't let anybody tell you differently, man. Hey, can you let people know where they can find you? On oh, uh, yeah. So you're talking about social media? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Twitter. Twitter is just uh, jburn, I-I-K-Y-B-U-R-N, I-I. And then uh, Instagram uh, is jburn underscore I-I. All right. Hey, Matt, thanks so much for calling the show. Thanks for being an outstanding guest and really opening up and expressing who you are as a person, both on the field and off the field. I can tell you, you are the first, and you might be the only person who will ever have the courage to come on this podcast and say, so, you know, really awesome. And, again, you know, good luck out there. You know, there's – they, the Rams have done very well over the years to find the right people, even through mm-hmm. the undrafted for agent process, to, to come on the, and be contributors in that team. So, mm-hmm. man, I hope I hope you make the team. I hope you do well out there. And, you know, good luck. Yeah, man, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for having me on. All right. We'll, we'll, I'll, we'll talk to you soon, and, and good luck. Take care. Right, yes, sir. Be in touch. See you. I got to tell you the truth. I never thought we'd ever get anybody to sing on the show. I mean, not even Norm. I mean, who, by the way, has a delightful singing voice. I kid you not. Would dare sing on the show. Matt Colbert, props, dude. Props. You went out here and showed everybody up. We want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show. And, folks, I hope you makes the team. He is a guy who seems determined. And, you know, if anything, be on special teams to make an impact there. We have a need for that now. Some guys aren't back from last year. So, hey, I hope he makes it. I hope he does well in camp and, and really, you know, sets an impression upon the entire team that about, about how hard it's going to work. Okay, so moving on. In the news this week, the big news, you know, many camps are going on. And really, it's not really all that big of a deal because we knew he wasn't coming back. But Nick Sue is gone. He has signed the Tampa Buccaneers one year. So if we had any hopes way, way, way back in the back of our brains that he was coming back this year, we know that's gone now. In the meantime, in order for that, for that to happen, the Tampa Buccaneers released defensive tackle Gerald McCoy, a multiple-time pro bowler. I don't understand all of it. I know they wanted to take a pay cut. They've been trying to trade him for a while now. 
I'm not exactly sure why they would trade away one of their anchors for a guy who's been basically a mercenary, and that's no offense intended towards Ndamukongsu. He was a mercenary for us last year, and he came up big in the playoffs. Many of us wish he could come back. I think this does send a message either one of two ways. Okay, Either A, there wasn't a market for Sue for a playoff team, or B, he wanted money. Let's either it. There's no real middle ground there. Either he wanted, he waited for cash, a cash payout, or none of the playoff teams really felt like he was a fit for them. So I lean more towards part of the money. He's still very good. He showed how good he could be. I wish he would have shown more during the regular season, but, you know, we'll see. I guess the question that comes to mind now will the Rams maybe give Joe McCoy a call? Will they? I don't think they will. They don't have the cat space, but I mean, and I know there's teams like, say, the Browns or the Colts who would be interested in him, and they have more money available, but you never know. You never know, and we'll see what happens there. Personally, I, get, I think it's nice to finally be able to close that door on Sue. I think a few of us here and there had, had in the back of our minds that maybe, maybe, maybe he'll come back. He'll take the low ball deal just to come back and play for a winner. Well, he decided not to do that. He went, he went somewhere where he could make some money, and uh, you never know Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has some talent there. I don't know if they're going to put it together, but if anybody can help put it together, I think it's Bruce Arians, my favorite person in the world. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, best of luck to Sue. We'll see him on the field this year in L.A. against the Rams. And um, let's see how the Rams handle him. But they'll know how to go at him. All right, so before we move on, you do want to give a word for our sponsor. Great guy, great book. Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams history, their personal touch, check out Jim Hawk's book, Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams to lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out the story of his father and the team he played for in the era glitz glamour of future Hall of Famers, rebut players at Norm Van Brocklin, Elway, Crazy Sirs, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Find Hawk's book on Online at hollowesteam.com and on Twitter at hollowesteam. It's available both in hardback and in electronic form at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Folks, I've read the book. I can't tell you enough that a solid read, if you love history, if you love the Rams, and if you just want to know more about this team, go check it out. And it's also for a great cause. All proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which is an organization in the L.A. area that works hardcore to bring people out of the gang life, and into becoming productive members of society. Again, that is Hollywood Teen, Grit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's well worth your time. We move on, actually, to our tour in the league with Michael Hopkins from Tangle the Titans for, that's right, the Tennessee Titans. Here we go. All right, folks, I'm here with Michael Hopkins from Take on the Titans. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. The draft is over, and I'm had to rest a little. <laughs> well, how much time did you put into it this year? I uh, actually I was down there all three days. Uh, the first day I was down there, probably about uh, fourteen hours. Uh, then only about seven or eight the next day, and then about seven or eight the day after that. So, of all that, I got to ask: how much of that involved heavy drinking, and how much of that, <laughs> and how much of that was actual draft coverage? Uh, probably I'd say 90% of it was actual draft coverage. There was, the lines were just too long to do any heavy drinking. It was, there was just so many people down 600,000 people over the three days that were in the downtown Nashville area. So I've been seeing all kinds of reports in the national news about 
the job that Nashville did hosting this event. What was the experience like for you down there? And was it everything the national media made it out to be? It, it was. In fact, I would think that they almost downplayed it a little bit. It was so fantastic. Uh, little things like uh, the, the police presence, safety, and security. You couldn't walk 20 feet without seeing a, two or three policemen. The river that's right next to where the announcement being made, kind of in between that and the stadium, there was uh, Coast Guard boats out there so nobody could get up and down the river. And then the party atmosphere didn't ever seem to take a bad turn like they normally do toward the end of the evening. It was just amazing. Uh, every little thing that they did to be at the very top level. So now that you, this is all over with and it's time to, you know, we generally all start calming down a little bit, unless you're here at Rams Talk, we just do tour around the league all summer. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, don't, we don't stop. We are, uh, you know, we're, we're workaholics. Anyways... <laughs> how how do you evaluate Mike Vrabel's first season in charge of the Titans now that you've had time to breathe? You know, honestly, looking back at his first season, it wasn't perfect by any means. I thought it was a good first season. Uh, he had some uh, learning curves on some decisions as a coach that he decided to make, and he lives with the decisions, which every coach should. Uh, he's very hands-on with the players. I really like that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it's really, I think what still we're lacking is that final piece of the offensive coaching staff that's going to stay around a while and really groom Marcus Mariota to take him to that next step. Uh, he, uh, but is going back to Vrabel, Vrabel is just, he is kind of exactly what the Titans organization is, a really tough, hard-nosed coach that has football in mind, and that's all he wants to do. So you just mentioned Marcus Mariota. That's actually where I was going next. Where do the Titans stand with him at this point? I would think his inability to stay healthy has to be concerned, especially now that at least on the outside looking in, we just saw the Titans go get Ryan Tannehill. What's the yeah. situation like there? Well, Tannehill is somebody that definitely can come in if Marcus is hurt. Now, Marcus has already been the, the – Coaching staff and John Robinson have already said that Marcus is the starting quarterback. There is no question there. But the person we had in Blake Bortles as a backup was questionable at best. He is an athlete that thinks he's a quarterback instead of a quarterback that might be an athlete. And he was not the right fit for the Titans. And they went out and got Ryan Tannehill, which is Yes, he's a very streaky quarterback, but he is somebody that is a, a much better quarterback than Bortles and can win you some games if necessary. Uh, Marcus, though, and when it boils down to it, this is a make-or-break year for Marcus in the Titans organization, I believe. He's gotten now some protection on the offensive line where he was lacking before, so he has got to stay healthy and, and put some wins up for the Titans. And... What is the team doing right now to help keep him healthy? What are they doing to surround him with the proper pieces? I know you guys went out and got our guy, Roger Saffold. I told you before we started that I'm a little bitter about yeah. that. But, <laughs> you know, what what's going on there to, to make sure that Mario is on the field for a full 16 games? Uh, well, you know, like you said, with Roger Saffold, not him. He is considered, if not the premier guard in the league, one of the top three or four uh, and he is somebody that 
we are both our guards were just abysmal last season and it really made our center look bad who is a veteran in ben jones uh so ben jones has something to prove this season with the addition of saffold and then we went out and drafted a a road grader in the third round in offensive lineman uh, nate davis who very versatile he can play all three uh, you know, center guard and tackle, and uh, he is somebody that should be able to have great protection for Mariota, and then also have that uh, be that road grader for Derrick Henry to pick up a lot of yards. So, what do you want to know about Roger Saffold from us? We watched him for many, many years. Well, is he as good as the league really, or I guess the Titans and the pundits say he is? I would say no, he's not. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, but he's very good. He's very good, and I'm actually very proud to have covered him over the years because you know the first three or four years. I mean, he was really originally drafted to be our left tackle of the future. He really was. Oh, okay. And he could not stay healthy, so they eventually moved him over to right tackle, and then eventually to guard, and. Most teams, I think, would have given up on a player who just kept getting injured. He had shoulder injuries. He had ankle injuries. It was getting okay. Every time, it seemed like almost every game out, you hear this, Saffles down, Saffles down, Saffles down. Oh, that's, and when, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, and when his contract came up and he, he bolted to Oakland, we were unhappy he left, but we also knew, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. And sure enough, Oakland pulled the contract off and he wanted to come back to the Rams. But... The one thing we learned about him, one thing you'll appreciate about Roger Saffold real quick, is that man is tough. That dude has fought through injury after injury and stuck with it and become one of the better, you know, one of the better guards in the league. Probably, you know, definitely top ten, maybe top five. And he is just so stinking tough. And anything you ask him to do, he'll do. He's loyal. He hated leaving the Rams. We know that. But money just didn't work. And you're getting a really, really good player who will change your entire running game and your passing game for the next four or five years. So, you know, in terms of is he one of the best? I mean, is he the best guard in the league? No. Is he top three or four? Probably not. But is he close? Yeah. And you'll love his toughness. If you if you have a football team built around the toughness like Mike Vrabel, then he fits right in, and he'll be one of the best in recent memory for your team. Just, I had nothing but really great things to say about Roger Saffold as a person. Good. Yeah, the, one of the things that we've struggled with in the last few seasons is our guard play. We had Josh Klein and Quentin Spain, and Klein is really – he wouldn't be a starter on any other team, I don't think, that of any quality team, I guess I should say. He, he tends to miss a lot of blocks, and, and uh, especially in pass protection. And then he'll come around and he'll pull as a guard and run right by the, the, the linebacker that he should have blocked that makes the tackle. And then Quentin Spain is somebody that turns out that he's a big hoss of a guy, but he just – he isn't the quality you need if you're going to make it to the next level and, and continue to be a playoff team. So the, now for the rest of this team here, though, you made a bunch of moves in free agency, you several key signings. What do you make of all those free agency moves as well to help put together a solid contender for 2019? Well, I think the they addressed two major areas that we really 
uh, had uh, problems with, and that is getting to the quarterback, and they addressed that with Cameron Wake. He's kind of this freak of nature at his age, being able to still play in the league. And I guess oh, he's the defensive version of Tom Brady to a certain extent as far as the age goes. Uh, he hopefully will be able to bring our linebacking core is an extremely linebacking core with the exception of Wesley Woodyard. And him being on the defensive side can help teach those young linebackers, you know, those little nuances you need to be able to get to the quarterback better. And I think he's going to make the rest of the team on the defensive side of the ball better on the offense side of the ball, uh, bringing in Humphreys from Tampa Bay kind of has that, that fit that we needed in maybe a, a slot receiver or, a, you know, that, when we bring in the four receiver package, I think that he is going to be the person because we tried that with Eric Decker and we thought we had it, but he seemed to be at the end of his career dropping a lot of passes, and we're hoping that Humphreys is going to be that answer that Decker wasn't. And then on the draft class here, how do you feel about that 2019 draft class and what were the best and worst picks made by the team? Um, I think that many people will say our worst pick might be the first one, but I think eventually he's going to be the best one. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, the defensive lineman from Mississippi State, if he had not torn his ACL in February, he would have been in the top five of the draft. He is just a hoss guy. He, he is somebody that he, you know, he has a lot of records, not only on the field accomplishments, but in the classroom accomplishments at, at uh, Mississippi State. Uh, but he tore that ACL, and he won't be available until November at the earliest. So it's going to be a little wait and see whether he's going to fit that role. And unfortunately, Vrabel has, or not Vrabel, uh, John Robinson has a, uh, a habit of drafting players that won't be there on day one. We've had, this is the third season he's done this, and he's kind of a one and one. He, you know, with Kevin Dodd, that was a complete miss. We suffered through him uh, for three seasons, and he was gone. And, uh, we also, this past season, with Rashawn Evans, didn't have him on day one either. So Rashawn Evans did come on at the end of the season last year, and I think that Jeffrey Simmons is definitely going to be that number one guy. I'm kind of excited about A.J. Brown, too, in the second round. He'll be uh, somebody that hits immediately, I think, with the Titans. Questionable, I, I think that they moved up and took Amani Hooker. I've heard a lot of good things about him, but I'm not sure it was worth trading up to get him. Uh, I, I kind of still wait and see. With now, just going back to Simmons here, we actually did interview Simmons for our pre-draft coverage, and really nice guy. But there is other concern about him, especially in terms of the off-the-field incident that happened with him. What right. caused the Titans to still stick with him despite some of those red flags? Well, I think the main off-the-field incident I think you're referring to is his uh, high school year, the last year he was in high school, where I had that assault charge. Um, I think one of the things that the AD from Mississippi State is kind of a tough guy as far as letting people school with those off-the-field issues. And uh, I think that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel – had some conversations with that AD and really the conversations. They also had one-on-one -on -one with Jeffrey Simmons. They felt like that he was well past these off the field issues and that he is somebody that uh, they could trust to bring in to an organization that is on the verge of uh, being 
a perennial playoff team. Now, you just mentioned on the verge of being a perennial playoff team. The Colts made the big comeback this year. The the, the, the Texans won the division. And so, really, really quickly here, it looks like the AFC South is the place to be in terms of good football. Even Jacksonville still has remnants of where they were a couple of years ago. Where do the Titans fit in right now in the AFC South, and how many wins do you see on their schedule for next year? Well, they've got an interesting schedule. It looks uh, like they it's kind of flipped. In the past, they've had kind of a, a little bit of easier road in the beginning, and maybe in the middle it gets really tough, and at the end of the season they're in kind of a must-win situation. It flipped a little bit where they have a lot of tough early games, and if they can survive those early games, kind of got it tails off toward the end until they could potentially be playing uh, the Texans. They play them twice in the last three games of the season. It could be for the AFC South Championship. Um, I think it boils down to that, like you said, it is going to be an extremely competitive division and maybe the most competitive in all of the NFL. And with all four teams being, you know, really building through the offseason and in the draft, and uh, I think with Indianapolis uh, making the big surge they did and coming out of nowhere, especially after their first of the season losing so many games, uh, it is the Titans, I think, right now, when I, I think I looked at it earlier, are really solidly a 10-win a team next year. And uh, that's very early, so don't hold me to that if, you know, you get into preseason and things start looking different. But uh, it's uh, right now, just if everything holds true for last season, uh, then and with the additions, I think we could definitely win 10 games and get into the playoffs. All right. Well, hey, Mike, can you let know let people know where they can find you and find the podcast? Sure. Uh, you can Any place you download podcasts, you can find us. In fact, one of the funny things I like to tell is that you can – Talk to your Alexa app, and you can tell Alexa, say, hey, Alexa, play the podcast, take on the Titans, and it will actually start playing the latest episode. Um, the other thing is we've got a brand-new website that's out there, takeonthetitans.com. I have the podcast out there. It has all the links to our so- social media, so you can easily uh, find us and all of what we're doing. All right. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for coming to the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. And it was good talking to you again. Last time we talked, was it was Christmas Eve, I believe, in 2017 with that uh, really great game between the Rams and the the, uh, the the Titans, you know, that won the division for us. And it was also right. nice seeing the Titans get into the playoffs that year as well. You guys are, man, I, I, it's just always a tough team to play. Even when you're not very good, the Titans are always tough. And uh, that's... The nature of a that's a feature of the franchise that seems to just stay regardless of the wins and the losses. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, we can keep climbing up. We've we've struggled around this eight and eight, nine and nine, or nine and seven type of uh, role for a while. Now I'd really like to step into double digit wins for a change. Well, you know, to quote the great Jeff Fisher, we don't want any of that seven <laughs> and nine bleep bleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we've both been through the Jeff Fisher years. That's true. Yes, yes, we have been. All right, thanks again so much for coming. I really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thank you for having me. Take care. All right, there we go. It'll be interesting to see. Goodbye, Roger Saffold. I hope you do well out there. I hope you make an impact. And, uh, well, 
I hate seeing Roger go. I'm not going to lie to you. Okay, it is time for us to go, however. If you would like to sponsor us, reach out to us at Rams Talk 1945. Release a voicemail at 657-666-5453. If you are also an Angels fan, we have an Angels podcast up, Talking Halos. Uh, we are working on the Dodgers podcast. I keep talking trash about them to get it up and going, but they're slow. So, hey, there you go. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. At Talk Rams on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. We have the Rams Talk Rooms, our group. Find me on Twitter, DC Apollo. Don't forget to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. And of course, I Beat Red plays our, our show on Wednesdays and Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. For the entire Rams Talk team, this is Derek C. Apollo saying take it easy, and we'll talk to you this weekend. We're out of here. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.